With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff run to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 20, 25, toward the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house! It is a nip at night knockout as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Howdy, folks, and welcome back to Viva La Cats, the Cincinnati podcast repping the 1012 network. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Bauer, and we cover all things Bearcats every single week and review games live on Twitter or X now. I'm not sure. Twitter spaces. Uh, if you like this episode, please share us with your friends and don't forget to like subscribe and follow us on all your favorite platforms, including YouTube, where you are possibly watching this episode. We have uh, a special guest today for this episode. We are starting the beginning of our big 12 truck stop road trip map, something sort of dealio. We're calling it. I'm calling it the big 12 truck stop trip because you know, we're the truck stop conference and everybody thinks it's funny, but eh, it's all fun and jokes until you're the Pac-12. So speaking of the Pac-12, Colorado is going to the Big 12. Steve. What a segue that was. What a segue. <laughs> that Tell was us. Uh, that, that was awesome news today to see yeah. just roll across the timeline. I got notified in the Catskeller Social Club Discord, by the way. Join the Discord, everybody. Go, you can find it on our social channels. Maybe we'll put out a link to it tomorrow. But uh, Pete Thamel officially reporting that Colorado met today with the Pac-12, did not receive any numbers on a TV contract, which, come on, Pac-12, how do you not have no- – it's been about 13 months now. How do you not have <laughs> any numbers at all? And Colorado was like, you know what? We're gone. We're out. And hopefully – and there's been scuttlebutt that another school is coming with them too – outside of the four corner schools 
I'm still holding on hope that Arizona and Arizona State are coming, obviously. But Justin, what about you? Colorado to the Big 12. It's like they never left. It it is quite literally like they never left. Um, that joke may probably whoosh over the casual CFB fan, but for the uh hardcore and long-standing Big 12 fans, they'll get that. So uh <laughs> yeah, and we're all Big 12 stands here. So with that said, yeah, Colorado, I think it's just a very interesting situation. Um, jumped into a spaces call today with a few other uh random people from across the Big 12. And there was a few interesting points made. I think the biggest one kind of driving it home is like Colorado's just in an interesting position now where they basically said, we're tired of waiting and we're just going to make the move. That's going to be best for us. And ultimately USC UCLA basically screwed the PAC 12 as it exists. Of course, I think all that stems from Texas, Oklahoma, our four group moving to the big 12 with Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, and BYU. But then also you have lumped in there, UCLA and USC. You take the two biggest brands out of the Pac-12. They've got, they've got a lot less to work with. And so I think for the future of the Pac-12, Colorado just signed the death wish. And I think that's realistic. It's unfortunate for the Pac-12 with longstanding tradition, but also don't turn your nose up on every single other conference. Don't turn your nose up on the nearest by conference that can let you in with open doors. Don't start to sour those tastes because ultimately, you know, you, you could kiss your ticket goodbye and you could end up in the mountain West. It's, it's a realistic possibility. You could be like Utah and end up in the mountain West, which is a realistic possibility. If the PAC 12 falls apart at the seams, Maybe they go to like the old like pack eight, pack ten kind of dealio where we're where we've got some smaller teams, uh, but we still have a little bit of swing. Uh, it's gonna be a lot less with the new kind of big three that's gonna be happening with the Big 12, uh, Big Ten, and SEC. On the point of Utah, again, we are having a special guest today. We are bringing in Garrett from Give Him Hell Brigham. They cover, of course, Brigham Young. And we wanted to make sure that you guys know that. So check in later in this episode. You can find that interview with Garrett. It's a good one. Uh, and he's a really good guy. Has Knows a lot about BYU. So we're excited for that. Um, we've got a couple other interesting points. I, I brought up some questions about the Big 12. And I think this is interesting now because now there is going to be an additional Big 12 new team. Not so new. A little bit older, of course. It's It's different. But... Um, I wanted to kind of go over our polls from this week. I put out a little bit of a poll blast. Again, we're bringing that back. This is the thing that we um, have kind of done off and on, but we try to keep closer to the season. So now that we're getting back into the swing of things, um, I put out a poll thread that basically was just asking these three questions. And we'll go through one by one. So what football road game are you most excited for this season? This is obviously specifically for Bearcats fans here. Uh, the options were Pitt, BYU, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia. Um, Steve, if you haven't seen that off the top of your head right now, what would you say won that poll? Pitt. Incorrect. Really? West Virginia then? West Virginia, yeah. It was basically a deadlock tie between Pitt, BYU, and Oklahoma State at okay. uh, 22, 21, and 19% but West Virginia, the overwhelming favorite at 39. Um, interesting. And I do, I, I do find that interesting too. So did the Bearcats win the backyard brawl if they beat both Pitt and West Virginia this year? That's something I, think I just it counts. thought about. Right now. 
I think it counts. counts. We're going to put, we're going to have to find out. No, 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 no. We're going to have to set something up for that. That's, that's gotta be a thing. I mean, it's, what what do they call that? Uh, The backyard brawl. No, 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 no. There's a term for, there's a term for what I'm thinking of where you, you beat the two other teams or you beat all the other teams. I don't know. And and it's, um, Oh, oh I, I know what you're talking about, but yeah, like the down the line national championship, like you can say, yes, like yeah, team one. Yeah, I'll look it up. But we'll figure yeah, it out, folks. It. This is probably going to we'll just right there. All right. So West Virginia winning that. Um, I would say that there's probably going to be the most amount of travelers for that game. I think Pitt would probably be a close second as far as UC fans making the road trip. Um, It's not that far of a trip in comparison to most of the other Big 12 games that we're going to have this season. But again, West Virginia, the overwhelming favorite there. Um, next question up on the poll, which of the other three Big 12 teams will have the best record this season? Of course, the options are UCF, BYU, and Houston. Uh, who do you think won that one, Steve? By the way, it's the transitive property. Transitive property. Thank you. Thank um, you. I would say UCF won that one. I did see that one, and I voted for our Bearcats, but I think UCF won that one. <laughs> well, the Bearcats were not in that one. So oh, okay. the, we're, we're, we're an outside number, so it's fine. But UCF did win that one. It was 60, 62% in favor, and that was probably all the UCF fans who hate follow us uh, that just get to drama, chime out. in. Yeah, shout out. I mean, you know, he at first I thought he was really weird, but he's come around. I've come around to him. I, I think I he's think come he's around nice so now. much that he's on the live uh, ten twelve network yes. show tonight. <laughs> yes, I, I, incredibly. So uh, hats off to him. Maybe maybe we'll have to have him on. We've talked about our next stop for the Big Twelve uh, truck stop road trip. I still need to workshop that name, and maybe we'll have him on too. We'll get the Suns guys, and maybe we'll get him. Uh, we'll see what happens. And for the third and final question, how do you think the Bearcats offense will change from the 2022 season to the 2023 season? I thought this one was very interesting. Uh, so the options were night and day better, noticeable improvements, similar results, or noticeable regression. Um, and I remember when I last checked in, I see the final results now, but when I last checked in, uh, noticeable regression was far and away the favorite, and that was a little intimidating. <laughs> um but I'm glad to see we've kind of come around. So the uh, yeah. the two tied answers were actually noticeable improvements and similar results. Um, and I think that's fair. I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle between those two. I don't think that we're going to see much of an improvement based on statistics. But I think the eye test, it will look better, personally. I hope so, man, because the eye test last year was ugly. <laughs> It wasn't pretty, that's for sure. Um, and and again, I don't think that we're going to make leaps and bounds. The only way that I think we really like start to really catapult forward as an offense is if we put wins together and it is the offense winning those games. Um, I really think the defense is what's going to win us the games. And I think it's, we've always looked at it as the defense keeps us in the games. Or sorry, the offense is keeping us in the games, but the defense is winning it. I think it might be the other way around this year where the offense is going to have to win it because of how high caliber the offenses are in the big 12. Your defense can do as much work as they can. And maybe they will be the ones keeping you in it, but the offense has to win. The offense has to be the side of the ball that is winning in the big 12. Because if you're not look at, look at the averages for scoring in the big 12 last year in the 2022 season, 
I believe there was only two teams that averaged less than 30 points per game. And that is terrifying coming off of what we had last year, having a full roster reset, having a full coaching reset. It's, it's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah. Talking to the guys in the discord and uh, to Nick Bauer this past week on Twitter. um, I realized that maybe I should not be as optimistic as I was (laughs) about our Bearcats, you know? So that was a nice little dose of reality. Um, I should have done actual research rather than just, taking one clip and posting it and using that as my frame of reference for the entire year. But Hey, you never know. This is a fan podcast. We don't, don't hold us liable for our uh, perspectives. Yes. Yes, I'm no analytics nerd. Get out of here with your takes. Not according to sports social.com. But but anyway, uh, I do think it will be on the backs of this offense. And I was thinking that the big 12 has not really seen a Satterfield offense, but I was reminded that in that same discord, you should really join great conversations going on, especially if you want to scratch that football itch that apparently Baylor has a similar offense to us. So maybe some of these teams will have seen this offense. Obviously UCF Houston and BYU will not have seen it. We play all three of those teams. So maybe we'll get, get some luck there, but I do think that there is uh, maybe I should be raining the rain, uh, raining it back in a little bit about my expectations for this year. The over you make under a... is is still set at five, so I do think we can beat that. But it just we're just gonna have to see it. It's all hinging on whether Embry and the offense works with that offensive line because I have trust in our defense. Uh, it's just gonna be about that offense, like you said. Yeah, I mean, you make a really good point there too about just having a new offense too. I think that is another reason why I, some people may be nervous, but I think in a way that's also a reason to feel a little bit more confident too, playing the teams that we are familiar with, because think of it this way. You look at a, you look at a, another year with Gus Malzahn. You look at another year with Dana Holgerson. Uh, I blanking on the BYU's coach right now. I should know that that's our stop. Sitaki. Thank you. I, it's a name. I knew it was a name I was going to struggle with. You look at those situations, they're all returning coaches. They have their system. It's fairly set in stone. They might have a new coordinator at offense, defense, whatever, but ultimately the ship is still going to run at course. It's just maybe going to get a little bit better. They might be a little bit tighter knit, more chemistry. I think this is where this gets interesting because Cincinnati has the wild card in their back pocket you might have tape on Scott Satterfield. You don't have tape on the Scott Satterfield Cincinnati Bearcats. So by the time we get here, you can run back. You can look at last year's tape. You can look at the tape from this year coming up to these games. But ultimately, most coaches don't do some sort of crazy shift from one year to the next unless there's a big change at coordinator, big uh, roster turnover. And so I, I think realistically we have a little bit of an advantage there because we'll be able to watch their tape, but they won't be able to watch ours in quite the same yep. way. You know, we'll yep. see how that goes. Once you get deeper into the season, of course, we might not have that advantage, but against some of those other teams might be worthwhile. Um, so that kind of wraps up our polls of the day. Uh, we did want to touch on this nasty natty for those of you who have not kept up. It's basically the Bearcats playing in summer, but it's not. And so we want to remind everybody this is not the Bearcats team, but it is the Bearcats team. And we're bringing back all the guys. You've got Jacob Evans, 
got Jaron Cumberland, you've got DeBerry, you've got Troy Copain, you've got all the names you could possibly think of, plus a few more other newer guys that were not Bearcats sprinkled in there who are doing quite well, might I add, too. Making a run. They're making a run, and it's exciting. It's so cool to watch because the TBT, for those of you who aren't familiar, Elam ending-style tournament, 64 teams, very similar to the NCAA tournament with a lot more fun of endings. Um, and I, I think that this is just a very cool capsule for the summer because, you know, you kind of hit the summer lull. You, you, your Bearcats brain turns on in August and it turns off in like April, unless you follow some of the peripheral sports that sprinkle out into the summer. So this is a good way, I think, for the fan base to stay engaged. And clearly they have. Um, there's been fans showing out. The team has performed very, very well, performed better than expectations, and it looks like a well-oiled machine out there, a well-oiled Bear- Bearcats machine playing like a Mick Cronin team out there, bringing up the defense. I think it's so funny listening to the commentators in these games because they're like, yeah, uh, they're playing defense, and they don't really do that in the TBT. So, yeah, uh, and it's good to have it. Uh, I did want to read this tweet from Spencer Tuckerman. He said, obsessed with this nasty natty roster. Troy, Jake, and Jaron are obvious choices, but the combination of Dude, DeBerry, Shaq, and Mormon exa- is exactly my sicko's yes, haha, yes list of dudes. Someone get Titus Rubles on the line. And I could not <laughs> agree more. The comments are mentioning Farad Cobb as well. Like a- any of those guys who specifically played in the AAC era of Cronin basketball. I want you bring Give us back. the Gary Clarks. Give us, I want, I dude, if you know what we I could get Gary Clark today, in here, too, man. Um, the, the, the Kentucky signee, Somto Cyril, he's playing for team overtime in this event. Really? He's, he's an amateur and he's playing in TBT, which is just very interesting to me. Like, I don't know how that works out. I didn't even know that was a thing, but like, it's kind of cool. And I mean, I, I guess if you, it's a contract, but not a contract. I mean, yeah, seriously. And like now you can get paid. So, you know, like it, that's kind of off, you know, doesn't really matter. I, it's just very interesting to me to see where this goes. Like maybe even like they can make this into a league and have like, you know, UC, Xavier, Dayton, Northern Kentucky, whoever, like Ohio State, like their alumni teams all play during the summer. And mm-hmm. I think like that's another way for these guys to make a little extra income. Maybe the fans are bought in because, you know, they love seeing those guys and they want to, man. I just imagine having that Letcher Ellis kid too at Cincinnati. Yes. Teams. Like he's been playing really well. Does he have eligibility left? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will say though, that it has been fascinating to see Mamadou being asked to lock up dudes at the top of the key and on a, on the perimeter. Like seems like that could have worked boss past for oh, yeah. certain teams, <laughs> but um, it was John Brandon. Be honest. Yeah. I got to be honest, it was pretty cathartic to watch them win at Cintas. I, hel- I yes. felt good for those guys that they finally got that W. That they finally um, got to experience that. that zipped them up. I think oh, they zipped them up, right? We zipped we them go. up. I like we zipped that. them up. I know. I'm, we're going to so <laughs> clip this. And I'm going to get fucking flamed real hard. <laughs> they zipped them up so good that the Xavier people we invited on our post-game spaces didn't even respond. Like, didn't Uh, even respond. Didn't didn't even even say we couldn't make it. Sorry. Couldn't even give a cursory glance. Come on, guys. See, you know, maybe that's what it is. Maybe they've been so excited to talk to us because they've been on the right side of this rivalry. But for once they lose, 
pulling our card out. I don't know. At their we're, place, too. We're coming at you, Roblob boys. Yeah. Hopefully the West Miller boys can do that this fall, this week. Hopefully they can. Well, that's that's a whole other conversation that we're not going to chime into. One last point on the nasty natty. I Jaron Cumberland, man, the guy is an absolute athletic freak. Like you put a ball in his hands, and that man is going to dominate. And clearly he has so far. He's averaged like what twenty five points a game plus. Mm-hmm. He's done so so well, and it's like the man's in his bag. He it's it it's like nothing changed. It, you could have picked him up from where he was playing at Cincinnati, dropped him into this tournament, and nothing changed. He is the exact same player. He's got the same fluid shot. He's consistent. He's reliable. He's a baller, and he makes his shots. And it just makes me think like. This is cool because he's actually having talk of like TBT MVP. Like he is doing the thing right now. You know, Jacob Evans got two of the game winners. Also, congrats to him. That's very cool. I don't know if he was wearing the Pumas. I know that you get $1,000 if you make the game winning shot in Pumas. And I don't think that anybody was switching over for that. I don't think he was wearing Under Armour either. But I know that Jaron was wearing Kobe's. So there is at least that. I am very interested to know, though, Steve, your opinion on this possibly a sensitive topic. Do you think that John Brandon eternally screwed Jaron Cumberland? Because I think like, I think that there was a real like NBA level prospect of career there. And now like, you know, kind of just he's bounced around with a G league, but he had so much movement. And like, sometimes with the NBA, you can go right up and come right back down too. And sometimes you can go from the G League and go up into the league. And I know he's kind of bounced around a little bit, but like that momentum that you have coming out of school is so strong and can really propel you. And so I just wonder, I want to know what happened because yeah. I feel like this guy could do it. If any of the Bearcats of recent could do it, I think he could do it. So I think the thing with Jaron though, uh, is that like, you know, obviously NBA teams for draft and for prospects, they're more willing, I think, to just take younger guys who are more green and that they can teach in their own way how to play the game. And I do think that, you know, obviously Jaron is falling out at this level, but think about what he does best. Obviously he gets to the hole, like a running back, like getting down the lane. You can't do that as easily in the NBA as you might be able to in TBT. And maybe like, I'm not, trying to scout Jaron Cumberland at all. I think he's the <laughs> GOAT. Uh, I'm just saying an NBA scout might think, you know, he doesn't really get, like, he doesn't really create his own shot other than just going to the rim. I think you would like him going up to the rim, of course, but, like, maybe he's not facilitating enough or things. I don't really know what the read on I mean, on him was. for somebody who can shoot it from the logo, man, I don't know. Like, he's got Steph Curry range, and he hits him. I can him also and see feels... people, like, not liking his shot either, you know, because he, he does kind of have that line drive shot sometimes, you know? Yeah, uh, but, I like, mean, think about it, yeah. though. Like, this has been the most – you talked about the, you know, sort of cathartic feelings of this. The most cathartic feeling is seeing a ball be put into a Bearcat player's hands – alumni or not bearcats across the chest or nasty natty across the chest, putting it into their hand and jacking up a three and being like, Oh, that's going in. Oh, I can, I can feel it. already. Yes. That one's going in. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, that just feels so nice. Uh, yeah. Wes Miller. We've got, we've got some guys 
let's let's uh let's put some more shots in the bucket and uh keep it rolling because there is something good working there. I'm very excited to see how they perform this year, but uh we still got a ways to go before Bearcats basketball gets started up. So last segment for the day, and we will wrap up and bring you over to our friend Garrett at Give Him Hell, bring him hot or not. Got a few questions here. Um, just curious what your thoughts are here, Steve. We're gonna start with this one. Two Plus, new Big 12 teams will crack the top eight in football this season. Crack the top uh, eight in the Col- Big 12. Culver's. Uh, no, <laughs> not. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Split Zone Duo. I'm going to say no, Justin, just because um, if you if you notice, obviously, like uh, UCF was projected to finish eighth in the media poll, and then it was BYU, Houston, Cincinnati um, at 11, 12, and 13. I just think the step up for this year one is just going to be big, especially with Texas and Oklahoma still in the conference and their loaded rosters and all the teams having to play them as well. I do think that's going to weigh them down. And also just, you know, Texas Tech has a pretty good old team. Kansas State is just like a bunch of brawlers. TCU, we got to see what happens with them. Um, I just think there's a lot of variables. And that's five teams right there, Justin, that I'm pretty confident will finish in that top eight. So yep. to see two or more teams crack up there, I'm going to say no. So it is hot. Oh, okay. You're saying that's a hot take. <laughs> yes, it's a hot take. It's a hot see, take. Just like Splits on Duo, I don't understand yeah. the game. Yes, that is a hot take, Justin. Okay, it's a hot take. Jumping on to question number two. UCF will travel over 14,000 miles for games this season, which is insane. UCF? will also have seven-plus wins in the regular season. I'm really not trying to cap here, Justin, but I think this is a hot take. <laughs> this is a hot take because, obviously, the travel, like you mentioned, and also John Rice Plumley can't throw the ball. He plays baseball, but he cannot throw the football. Like, And, you know, I, I do think there is some sense of optimism for them, but I just don't really know where all of the love is coming for them. Um, I do think their fans probably don't help that much on Twitter by saying <laughs> to the, all the Iowa state fans, when we come in and clap you by two touchdowns, don't apologize. Like guys, like you don't really have to be mean to these people. You can just like see what happens and then talk shit. <laughs> but like, remember, sometimes it's easier to be noticed when you're loud. It doesn't matter if you're spewing out stupidity or nonsense. As long as yeah. you're loud, people will pay attention. Yeah, I respect Gus Malzahn. I respect what they're doing in the recruiting department. I'm just going to say that's a hot take. I I would have to agree, too. I think that this is definitely a hot take. I mean, you have to expect that there is going to be a regression. And that that is really, I think a lot of this is all in on JRP. And personally, you know, he can be that athlete on any given day. And he's really, really good. But in the Big 12, you're going to need to be able to move that ball, and you're going to be able to need to score. And I obviously UCF doesn't have a uh, doesn't have an issue scoring, but I think they're going to run into a lot of teams that are much better than they expect. Um, as we are coming to coming to terms with over time, if you flash back a couple months, Steve and I had much higher projections. We could own them now, or we could just tell you to go back there and see just how self inflated we were. I'm going to air for that side. So you can do the investigation if you want, but I'm not going to do it for you. Uh, Last question of the day. Hot or not, the Bearcats will be bowl eligible this season. 
Justin, I'm I'm gonna say this is not a hot take. I do think it is possible, even with all the detractors and doubters and haters this year. You know, you've got two. I don't want to guarantee him, obviously, because nothing's guaranteed. But you've got two games you probably feel pretty good about in e- EKU and Miami already. Uh, Satterfield's got that familiarity with Pitt, so I do think there's a chance that we can take care of that. If you start out three and zero, you've got three more games to win over the nine game Big Twelve schedule. And Doesn't again, even say anything about Miami. That's a win. That's a W. Yeah, I mean, come on, uh, come on. <laughs> Scott. If you lose to them, then we got real problems. Uh, yeah, just saying. True. I mean, but I mean, then, like you've got five conference home games as well. Um, the turnaround to BYU, the game will be at Justin after Oklahoma is going to be tough. But I wonder if you kind of get a little bit of a pass by traveling there earlier in the year where it's not really deathly cold just yet. Obviously, altitude is going to be a factor there. But, you know, you get Houston, who might have fired their coach by that time. You get West Virginia later in the season, who almost assuredly will have fired their coach by that time. You get Kansas at home to end the year. And I like Kansas, but we'll see what they're like at week 13 compared to week one you get a lot of teams in favorable positions. So mm-hmm. I, I don't want to, you know, call anybody out, but I do think there are games to win in this league and on this schedule. And I do think the Bearcats can do that. That is a great, great take. And so I will end us with this. However you feel about the Bearcats being bowl eligible this season, I have one comparison that I want you all to stew on. I want you to think long and hard about Will it mire your expectations? Will it make you feel better? Does this whole thing just sound stupid as a comparison? Who knows? But I'm going to say it anyways. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Iowa State is in a very interesting position. And I think as Cincinnati fans, we don't have an uppity feel to them, but I think we feel fairly confident that we can beat them. And here's where I'm going to start with this. We've got a lot of optimism. We're going to the Big 12. But if we pivot a little bit, I want to look at the Big 12, where it stands right now, and Cincinnati, where it stands right now. Um, And... I think Iowa State is the best bridge of that gap, pun intended, bridge. Uh, so <laughs> anyways, that wasn't funny. That really wasn't funny. You, oh, you set yourself <laughs> up for that. And I, I just realized that. I'm sorry. I know, but he, please. it's just this. No, no, no. You're right. I'm <laughs> no, sorry. no, no. That makes it so much funnier. <laughs> anyways, the 2022 season, about it. very good place to start. 
So in the Big 12, there were 46 total conference matchups played. Offense and defense, of course, are always going to be at odds. I think that offense is going to rule the side of the ball in the Big 12. But most of those high-caliber offenses, you have to really think about it this way. You can have a good defense, but with that high-caliber offense, you can go that much further. You can win those games. But your defense, realistically, is going to it's going to keep you in a game, but it's not necessarily going to win you a game in this conference. There were... 10 teams in the Big 12 that averaged over 30 points a game. Cincinnati, we're not quite there yet. And neither was Iowa State. So looking for ways to win, Iowa State, great example, because they just didn't and they can't. Uh, sorry, Matt Campbell. Sorry, Iowa State fans. It just wasn't there that it wasn't there last year. And, and that's that's just the truth. But Iowa State posted a very interesting number last year, fourth best in college football as a whole all of fbs fourth best defense so that's out of 130 plus teams and they went four and eight the fourth best defense in the nation and you go four and eight the fourth best defense in the nation which also happens to be playing against the best offenses in the nation quite specifically playing against i believe it's like seven or eight teams in the top 50 for offense that is a very high mark to hit. So having a top four defense, I think, sets you up so well. But where did they go with that? And, and, and the, the thing is, that four and eight is rough because they started three and oh. And I think that says a lot about the Big 12. And I think that says a lot really fast because three and oh, they took care of an FCS team. They beat Iowa in the Cyhawk game. And then they beat Ohio, a Mac school, which we're you know familiar with. So mm-hmm. they had promise, but they couldn't handle the rest of their schedule. And the only team that they would beat was West Virginia. And that's Neil Brown's West Virginia. And Neil that's Brown, baby. nobody's proud of West Virginia's performance last year. So there's not really anything to write home to mom about. They would hold defenses to 20.3 points per game. They would score 20.2. They would hold seven of their nine Big 12 opponents under 30 points. Four of those were top 50 offenses. Correction, sorry. But those were the four that they played. There were other ones as well. They only allowed Baylor, another top 50 offense, to score 31. And then they just let up 62 to TCU at the end because, you know, TCU needed a statement win to make the college football playoff. So with all that said, the defense wasn't really an issue there. They handled the high caliber offenses incredibly well which also included Kansas too, which is the hottest Kansas team in probably well over a decade. And there was plenty of other strong teams. So what really was the problem there? And I, I think that comes all back to the offense. And, and this is where I'm concerned because if you look at where Cincinnati was last year in offense and you look where Iowa State was last year in offense, it ain't pretty. We are neck and neck. We are tied, baby. We are right there, neck and neck in that race. And so if you're looking at where that situation was, now you're going to flip a coin and say, is it going to be better? Is it going to be worse? We can debate this all day long, but when you're trying to figure out what your expectations are, look where you were last year. You reset the offense, and now you have a new coach, new roster, all these other pieces that you're going to be figuring out while you're playing in a new conference. I don't think it bodes well to having a very prolific offense. 
And if our defense keeps pace at a top 30 defense, are we really going to end up that much different of a state than Iowa State was? Hopefully, hopefully that's the case. Four and eight just sounds disgusting coming out of my mouth, but it's a realistic thing to think about because they're in a very similar state as us. Their offense is almost identical. Of course, systems are different. Scott Satterfield is much better, but we have no idea what to expect, but we know what to expect from the defense and we know what we've had and we know what they had and we know what we're having going forward and we know what the big 12 is like. So with all of those things that we know, the question of what we don't know about offense scares the shit out of me, man. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I am very concerned and I I'm, I think that is what's going to humble my expectations for this season because yeah. we're putting a lot of moving parts together. And on top of that, we're putting all of that on the back of a guy who's at his fourth school. Third, but yes, third, and, and sorry. He, he with Emory Jones too at his last school. So. And so it, it's, there's a lot of question marks there. And, and for the Bearcats fans, I will never tell you to not be excited, but I will tell you after stewing on these questions all summer long, slow down, just slow down, have some patience because it might be a little bit of a bumpy ride this year. I don't know. I can't guarantee it. I'm hoping that it's not. But there will definitely be a roller coaster of emotions, and I'm pretty sure they're not all going to be high points. So, We're if be you do the beast a few times this year, you're saying yes, uh, and and especially with the hard G turns, where <laughs> I need to go to the chiropractor now. I'm going to break my spine. Oh, the uh, son of beast. Okay. Well, well, the son of. Okay. Well, that's a. Mm, that's a different one, but the beast still, you can snap your spine on. That is not a very uh, smooth coaster, although they have done their best to keep it smooth over the years. And I am proud of them. For those of you who are newer to us and might not know all that much about Cincinnati, which if you are, thank you for joining us today. The beast is the, uh, the, the nation's oldest and longest wooden roller coaster, still standing, still operating. And, it is a fun time. It's at Kings Island, but um, I don't know. Maybe they've smoothed it down. Last time I wrote it, I was like 22, and my back hurt like an 80-year-old. So <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Kings Island. I, maybe you've done better since then. It's been a while. I've moved around a lot. Yeah, but Justin, you might be right. It might be a bumpy ride this year. Might be going up and down like the racer, but <laughs> I'm hoping that this year will just be – the perfect setup year for a better year, better years to come with Scott or Scott Satterfield or with not, but you know, it, we might have to take our lumps this year. So it's possible we could be bull eligible. All just depends. Like you said on that offense. Yep, absolutely. And I think that's a great place to close us out for our portion of the show. If you would like to listen to the interview with Garrett from give him hell, bring him, please stand by. And you will get to listen to that in about 10 seconds. Thank you guys for joining us. I'm Justin. This is Steve. This is the Viva La Cats podcast. Make sure to come back. And again, as always, please like, subscribe, and follow on all platforms. We're trying to grow this thing here. So Bearcats. help us out, baby. Go Bearcats. Hey there, Bearcats. We have Garrett of the Give Em Hell pod. We want to make sure that you all are paying attention for this one. This is going to be a fun one. We're going to go through a little bit of the BYU setup 
Um, this is actually our first stop on the Big 12 road trip. It's going to be just me and Garrett today uh, talking over BYU's recent past and their expectations for the season. So without further ado, plug anything you want, introduce yourself. Awesome. Thanks. And uh, yeah, so it's good to be here. Um, you know, my name, like you said, my name is Cameron Kuntalk. I co-host uh, Give Him Hell Brigham with my partner, uh, Jeff Hansen, or my partner in crime. And, uh, you know, we're both down a man tonight because Steve's not here with you, but it is, is, it is good. This is the first of the, yeah, of kind of like the road show, the first of the fellow new schools that I've been able to talk to you. So I'm excited. Absolutely. It's, um, it's, it's an interesting situation here for, uh, a few of these schools, which include the two of us, um, I think a lot of these Big 12 schools kind of look at the new ones coming in as a sort of, I don't know, maybe a, a question piece of do they really have it? Are they up to snuff um, and can they compete? And the general consensus is no. <laughs> um, and it yeah. kind of sucks to be on the uh, back end of that. But, um, you know, going into sort of expectations uh, we can talk a little bit further into that, but I want to know sort of where BYU has been over the past few seasons um, and sort of like if you could summarize it in about like 30 seconds, give me the 2020 season, then give me the 21 season and the 22 season. And we can kind of just get the groundwork for where yeah. we've been. So 2020 obviously was an amazing year for us. We were one yard away from an undefeated season um, and potentially playing it into your six game. The, you know, that was a really big pivotal season because Zach Wilson had a major sophomore slump in 2019. We did face a pretty, it wasn't tough. It wasn't super tough on paper, but it was one of the better schedules. Like that was the season that we played more teams with a, like nine of the 13 games we played, the teams had a winning record. So it was like, played a lot of those like 30 to 50 ish range, you know, overall programs where it's a toss up. And so there was a bad taste of how 2019 ended. 2020 was amazing. Everyone expected a big drop off in 2021, you know, lost our offense coordinator, lost our quarterback. We came back once 10 games again. Uh, we won the PAC 12 South that year. And then last year, there's a bit of a drop off. Um, you know, there's a lot of looking forward to this year and kind of once we lost the first couple of games, it was kind of like, Oh, well, there's nothing left to play for now. And, you know, looking the eyes were forward and there was we've had big changes in the off season, revamped the entire defensive coaching staff and brought in there's we're up to 50 we have 55 new players on the roster this year wow. that weren't here last year so <laughs> definitely a rebuild yeah um and we you know we can say a lot of the same too at cincinnati i mean we've been lucky enough to maintain some of our core but of course when you have coaching changes and you have that turnover uh it's definitely a familiar feeling we we're seeing a lot of newness um and a lot of question marks and so i think that's kind of a good question too um as for you, what what would you say are your expectations going forward? So you're coming out of, you know, a couple pretty strong seasons overall, you know, a little bit of up and down, but ultimately I think the expectation would still be to compete. And I think a lot of the outside noise would say that BYU is not going to be able to keep up. Um, similarly to the way they're talking about Cincinnati, quite not as bad. Actually, they're giving more, a uh, little bit more oomph to you guys than us even too. So I'm curious what your expectations are aside from that. I think, I mean, the bare bottom floor expectation for me this season is to get to a bowl game. And I think not mm -hmm. making the postseason will be a failure. And I think kind of, I mean, anything, right. I, th I think my overall, my expectations are still the same or how I would grade a season are the same, right? Like it's, 
10, if you hit double digit wins, that's a great season. Nine, you're like, okay, we were, you know, one game didn't bounce our way, but is solid. Eight is okay. Seven, you're like, if like seven or below, you're like seven or six, you're like, eh. And then if you don't go to a bowl game, it was an awful year. Right. And right. so I think that's still the general consensus. I think it's just a big question mark. And that's the really hard part with the, you know, the, with the portal these days is, you know, we brought an entire new coaching staff on defense, probably one, two, three, four, maybe seven of our 11 starters on defense. We brought in through the portal this year. So it's like, I have no idea what we're going to see week one. Like how fast can that come together? Are they going to be as good as we hope they are? You know, those things we're bringing in, you know, we got Keaton Slovis. He went from, you know, starting at USC to being at Pitt last year, coming in as a grad transfer. He apparently looks amazing and he fits in the offense is much closer to what he was running as a freshman with Graham Harrell than what he was forced into last year under Pat Narduzzi at Pitt. And so there's a lot of just, you know, wondering what is, you know, kind of what are we going to see? There's no doubt really about the offense. Everyone expects that to kind of keep going at the same clip it has been the last three years, but it's the big question mark is the defense. And I think by that week three game against Arkansas, we'll know. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. by like week one, because we play Sam Houston State week one. If we struggle week one, then we're going to know we're in for a long ride. Right? But if it's, <laughs> but, but if we, you know, if we go into Arkansas, it's like, okay, the defense looks serviceable. You know, everything is advertised. Then your proposition, you know, your prognostications start looking up a little bit and how excited you are for the rest of the year. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting, you know, kind of juxtaposition as compared to where Cincinnati is too, because, you know, we look at all of our defense and we don't really have that many question marks. We feel fairly confident, but you look to the offensive side of the ball. It's most, I'd say about 75% of it is turnover. You've got no familiar receivers. You have a quarterback who's switching to receiver. Um, Your quarterback room is basically brand new. You have a quarterback that's a third string. That's probably not going to move anywhere up. Um, You've got a guy who has, now it is fourth school. And so like, there's a, a similarly to that, you know, kind of question mark is you, you have no idea what to expect. And I would say too, by the time you reach the end of non-conference, that is when you're going to figure that out. Um, for us, you know, we run into um, we're running into Miami by that week three. And that is, that's been our mark. We've, we've had that game on lock for the past four coaches. So you would expect that that would continue, but um, I think we're going to be in a little bit of a similar boat. So I think that really makes this matchup that BYU and Cincinnati too are going to have interesting. Of course, the Bearcats are going to be going to Provo. Uh, It's going to be an electric atmosphere. Uh, Steve and I will be in attendance. We will be going physically to the game. Um, It's going to be my first road game in quite some time. Um, But of course it's going to be the first big 12 road trip. So we're both very excited about that. Um, with Happy Valley, you know, there's a lot of expectations of like what the environment is like. You kind of, I kind of got a feel for it, but if you could give me the highlights, like what should we expect? What are the must do's? What are the things, are there things to avoid? You know, what's kind of the oh. general vibe? I mean, there's probably nothing to avoid. I'm assuming, I, I mean, I couldn't tell you of like the like four bars there are to choose from. I can <laughs> tell you which one is good or not, right? But the, uh, I mean, the highlight really, if you like being outdoors, I think that's the big thing. They just the campus is beautiful, and it, it's that was something that I, really my last year in school, I like realized I was like, man, I like stare at these mountains every day, and they're like super pretty, <laughs> especially in the fall. Um, so right around that time, the colors probably won't quite be changing yet um but the especially with how hot the summer's been it might not cool off quite yet but the you know you can drive you're only uh, you know about 15 minutes away from sundance so you can you know 
you can go up the canyon and see it. it's beautiful that would probably be my number one recommendation uh, is just to get go up the canyon and explore good idea that's that's definitely something that uh I will always take the adventure for it too, especially if it's close by. Cause that's a, that's a tough part too. When you're traveling for a weekend, you know, it's a game day. We're going to be getting in on a Friday, leaving on a Saturday. So it's kind of like, how much can we pack in into right. a small span of time? Um, but, you know, I, I think if we, you know, kind of cover that, I think another part too, that I'm really curious of is sort of like game day experience, you know, happy Valley gets its nickname just because, you know, of the sort of niceties and how nice people are. And it's a genuine niceness too. And I'm curious, like I've heard that that environment for not as, not as much fans, but players can be really like off-putting in a like competitive way. Not in a yeah. bad way, but in like you're always expecting to get, you know, yelled at, screamed at, cursed at. And then you walk into this place and everybody's so nice to you. And so I'm wondering, like, what's the effect of that? And how does that how does that help BYU in the Big 12? I mean, so it's pretty rugged. So the student section is is large. And there's I mean, every I can think of multiple last year, really, it was like the student section. It was in overtime and we couldn't get a stop to save our life. And it really was the student section causing Baylor was driving into the student section and had a false start two years ago against Arizona state. There was a series where they had three false starts across two plays. Like, so wow. it was they where they were backed up and like on the five yard lining and student section. So it's, it's loud. You know, the stadium is shaking. It's, it's rocking. I think a lot of players probably will especially tell you that it's like, it's almost annoying that it's, it's so yeah. loud and that, that it, but then it's also nice. So that was when I was a student, um, you know, and I was involved with like the student sex community and things going at basketball games. We, that was a lot of things. Cause we were the way the student section sit in the Marriott center. Like I was in the front row and we were right up where the other opposing team's bench was. So they put the opposing okay. bench against the student section and then our bench on the far end. And, you know, the players afterwards, like we talked to them and they said that it was like, annoying that we weren't just like being like F you know, because it's yeah. like that is like so routine that you can t like zone out of it but right. then it's like you know especially and this is like a very on-brand BYU thing it's like if there was any international player that came in we could find somebody who spoke whatever their native language was and like heckle them <laughs> not in English and they would be like wait what the heck right. and so it was and so there was like yeah so that was just a very very different atmosphere of like you know, you got to have a lot of more creativity when you leave the Bulgaria out of it. You got to, you got to use a little more brain power to come up with original content. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And that's, that's definitely like those small things too, I think are major advantages for teams. Like you just don't expect. And I, I think that's one of those things, like you said, like you never know that could just totally throw somebody off their game. Yeah. They're not even I'll expecting it. Yeah. I'll have to find it. There's actually an interview that Keaton Slovis did after, cause he came and he played and we beat USC in overtime in 2019 in Provo. And, you know, he came and he started, it was his first start. And he, he there was an interview he did like a week later about like kind of exactly what you're saying. Like it was so weird cause it was so loud and it was yelling us, but as soon as the game was over, they were so nice. It was like yeah. this weird, like it, between the whistles, it's crazy. But then after the game, it's like, okay, hey, thanks. And so yeah. he's talking about it and now it's come full circle that he's back. And, but I think he compared it. He said it was like being in the Truman show. The Truman show. <laughs> That's a funny comparison. It, it's, it's definitely like when you can take those environments and really like 
sort of milk them dry for like every aspect of what makes it unique. I think that's a super cool thing. Um, you know, Cincinnati has just such a very raucous atmosphere. We're in a bowl set down in the ground. It's very loud. It's concrete, all the sound vaults up. And so that's like a huge advantage for us. And it's like, it's a very cool atmosphere when you're there. Um, and it's very different at night. There's something, yes. and I've heard the same thing with you guys that like, was you get like nip at night or whatever yeah. that it's, that it's, it, there's something different when the lights come on. The special yeah. kind of crazy comes out. Well, and that, and I think that's kind of the thing too. Like it's, it's about, I think for these, you know, new teams coming in, they have a little bit of an advantage in a weird way against some of these teams that are going to be coming in here and not necessarily expecting, they don't know what to expect. And I think that might throw some people off. You kind of know what you're going to, you obviously know if you go play in Texas, if you go play um, in Oklahoma, like, you know what you're going to get from those environments. It's going to be loud. It's going to be deafening. And it's going to be huge, but the change of scenery can throw some people off. Um, so one of the, uh, another thing I want to talk about. So BYU sort of expectations this season, the polls have put them lock set in 11th place. That also sits next to Houston at 12, Cincinnati at 13, West Virginia at 14, bottom rung. It, it's it's not great. I'm wondering how realistic do you think that is? Do you agree with that? Do you disagree with that? Um, I mean, I feel like in the league this year, anywhere between like three and 12 can be a toss up, right? Like it's <laughs> Houston and West Virginia are in a bad place. And then everyone's expecting a lot out of Kansas State and, you know, Texas especially. And then but then anywhere in between, it's kind of like, I don't know, who knows what's going to happen because there's, it seems like there's been a lot of turnover, you know, similarly in the portal. And then, you know, how are guys, you know, is Kansas going to build on what they had last year with Daniels coming back? Like, or are they going to regress? You know, it, it, right. there's a lot of, we just got to see how this plays out. And so I think it's going to be a very, very tight league where I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of seven and five, eight and four at the end of the year. Yeah. And I, I think that's a very realistic, you know, take too, because, there are so many question marks for so many teams and that's before you lump in any of the new four. And so on top of that, they have to figure out And I think this is the most interesting thing about this, that we're going to find out and we're going to find out real fast as to, you know, I think you guys BYU is in a very interesting position because we've all played for the other three UCF, Houston, Cincinnati have played against each other. We're familiar with each other. We're familiar with the American. We play. We played all of you guys multiple times while we, we were independents. <laughs> this is true. This is true. But this is sort of where I'm getting at here is when we have our non-conference, we're trying to schedule non-conference that we can handle, make sure it's fine so that we can make our clean run all the way through our schedule yep. in the American and then end up, you know, at a 13 win season, a 12 win, a 10 win season, 11 win season. And so you know, that, that level of scaling that we're facing, I think is going to be a bit larger, but I will say, I think BYU has the benefit of playing some of these teams. Like you, you guys got to play Baylor last year. You play these familiar teams, teams that you understand their level and where you're against that versus Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, you might get these games once every three, four five years. You know, you have the difficult ones. We had Arkansas last year. But like that, that level of scaling, it's all question marks for us. Yeah. And, and on top of that, lot, all the newness. Yeah. There's a lot of 
uh, not a lot. There's like a loud minority of BYU fans who are like, independence was a mistake. We should have stayed in the Mountain West, which I wholeheartedly disagree <laughs> with. Because in really, that was like you said, that was the trade-off. It was you are hoping of running the table to get into an NY6 game. We played four or five of those games every year, just instead of it being wrapped up in the Fiesta right. at the end of the season. It was, you know, last year we played Baylor, Arkansas, Notre Dame, Oregon, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, that's, you're going to, would you really rather play and, you know, have to go on the road to UNLV in New Mexico in hopes of maybe being the highest ranked G5 champion or, you know, and that was the trade-off. And so it was, uh, you know, in the year before we played seven P5 schools plus Boise state. And so, which, you know, pseudo P5, right. If you, yeah. I put them in that, you know, they're better than Wake Forest most years. <laughs> um, <laughs> most people are. <laughs> yes. And so the, and so we really, yeah, we've definitely had that where, and we also now the flip side though, which is a big benefit is, you know, a lot of schools want to, you know, you have to have your out of conference games scheduled early and with there being so few independents now compared to what there were, you know, 40 years ago when you guys were independent before conference USA formed, they, you know, there's our November was like, the season was basically over in October because it was mm-hmm. like, we didn't really know what, like we knew what bowl we were going to go to. It was a done deal. It was probably not that exciting. And we had played all of our big matchups. And then it was our November schedule would be like a Mountain West team, a buy, an FCS game, and then maybe somebody Thanksgiving weekend. And so like last year we played Stanford. And so it was very mad where now we actually, it's like we have the tune-up games instead of last year, we right. started going on the road to USF in Tampa, which they ended up being way worse than I think anybody expected. People expected them to at least be serviceable. With yeah, they're usually not. <laughs> I know, but like they expected at least a sign of life. And we ended up beating them like it was like 56 to 14 or something. Yeah. And then, then we played Baylor and then Oregon the next two weeks. So it's like, we're out the gate. It's, it was like tough sledding. And then right. now, and then now we actually, it's like, okay, we play a conference USA team followed by an FCS team. Then we have that tough road trip to Arkansas week three. And then again, into the conference slate and just the mentality is very different, especially when it's like, okay, yeah, if you drop and especially, you know, for both of us being in the big 12 versus the American, it's like, yeah, if you drop a conference game, it's not the end of the world. You could still, it's like, right. there's still everything to play for, especially next year with the going into with the 12 team playoff. So it's right. like, you can drop, I mean, you could start out zero and four and lose all three of your non-conference games, your first conference game, and then run the table and still be playing for a national championship. Yeah. Right? And so it's, it's just an entirely different environment and ball game yeah, in terms and, of the leeway that you have. And that's, that's a, that's a big thing too. I remember very specifically talking with Steve about that is like, we're in a, we're in a situation now where, especially in the big 12, big 10 sec, you're in a position where you could realistically not be in your championship game. And you could still make the college football playoff going into next year. Like that's a crazy change of events. Um, and, and speaking of another, like, you know, kind of crazy change event too. um, you know, with you guys going from this non-conference or sorry, going from an independent schedule, which obviously is all non-conference to a big 12 conference. Of course, everybody's super excited about it. Everybody's, you know, happy, but I, I am really curious. Do you think that there was any amount of pushback from BYU fans that may prefer having the independent schedule? Or do no. you think, no, not at all. Not no. even a question. It was like, it was, I mean, there were people, I mean, there were, there was the ongoing debate of like, 
people who were crying like we should have stayed in the mountain most forever but it was always that. yeah in independent independence is miles better than being stuck in the mountain west but if a p5 offer comes you take it and that's right and that's always been and that's why we've always you know we felt like we've belonged in the club we've played at that level you know at that level for 40 years and kept getting screwed over at every turn getting left on the outside looking in and so when it finally when that invite finally came it was like okay yeah we it's like thank you we've known this yeah. we deserve this <laughs> thank you for realizing which i was probably similar for you after you guys got screwed over and yeah like the 2011 2012 ish realignment well and and on that point too uh so if if everybody's you know kind of on board with that will you at all miss being able to play like you know, you just get the random Notre Dames or the random, like the Arkansas, like in late October, you get those November games where it's just like, you get that fuel game that is really competitive and really challenging that like nobody else really gets. Like, of course you get that with your conference, but eventually, you know, you play the same five, six teams every single year. And I think that's kind of like the cool side of the independence too, where you have right. that refresh. And so like, I'm curious well, if you'll miss that or not, or if you, you know, really just like having the set solid schedule and sort of no, known expectations. Yeah. I mean, definitely we'll miss it. Cause that's pretty something for cool. I actually did. Uh, we did a newsletter a couple of weeks ago. I went and looked back and he goes that our athletic director, Tom home over the last decade has scheduled more. He'd scheduled more game contracts with individual schools than any other AD in NCAA history over. Wow. And I looked, I was like, over the independence period, I was like, hey, what about a decade? What about 12 years, 15 years, 20 years? Yeah. And it's like, basically he scheduled more. And I think we played while we were independent. I think it was we played like 64 different FBS teams. So we played like half <laughs> of the FBS. And that's like really cool to like see, yeah. you know, to go see all these different stadiums and have all these different games. That was really fun, but definitely like, it's not obviously not worth the trade-off, but that is one thing where some is because it's probably, you know, even with the non-conference games where it's like, we still have Boise state nearby, Utah state nearby, uh, Utah. I mean, we can, once the PAC 12 falls apart, I don't know we can like rotate <laughs> Utah and with the FCS game, I don't care. The, so I think, you know, it, it's kind of like you fall into that, like, we're going to, you almost have like that kind of pre-programmed formulaic non-conference mm -hmm. schedule as well. And so that's why I would love if not even like dropping to eight games, I would love it if every P5 dropped to seven conference games. So that way we could all like all the, yeah. like do a lot more interleague play if I was in charge, but that won't happen. Um, so I think, yeah, it was just definitely, that was a cool aspect to, you know, be able to do that. And we have fans all over the country. So last weekend, BYU did a big thing. They did a few years ago and they stopped for a couple of years, but it was like BYU 50. And it started off where they dropped like 50 swag boxes around Utah. And then the next year they're like, okay, well let's do BYU 50 to where we're going to do like these gear drops in all 50 States. And we're just oh, going to cool. like tweet a picture and then people will like race to find it. And then they stopped doing it just because it kind of got unwieldy and people started whining that it was like, they were cheating, whatever. And so this year, this year they were like, Hey, we're not going to give away stuff other than like, if you went and got a shirt. So they did in multiple, like, so they did all 50 States and it was like, and then from every state, they picked a, a winner. So they gave out shirts to people who came and you have to like check in using the BYU app. But then it was like, they gave shirts to everybody. And then it was like, they picked a winner from every state to get like an all-inclusive trip for two to our game against Texas tech. Cool. And so, but, and so that, I mean, so that's something that's really cool where it's like, you go look at the hashtag, like BYU 50, there's people and like, you can look at like, Oh, this person's like in Rhode Island. Here's someone up in Alaska. Here's Hawaii. Right. Like I went, I went to the one here. They did two in the Phoenix area. And so it was like, I, you know, went to the one here. There was a, 
the one in Oklahoma was like a Baylor fan one because he happened <laughs> to see it. He was like, happened to be the first one there. And right. so it was like, you know, they have, so it's like something that is very unique to us. And so it was really cool, fun to see um, and go to all those different games. Like I used to live in the Charlotte area. And so when, you know, they came out when we played uh, Tennessee, it was like, you know, there's like this caravan right. of like people in my neighborhood that I knew from church are like all going to this game. And my roommates all came out from school and we had like a reunion to go to the game. And so that's something that will definitely be missed. But obviously the trade-off is like not even close. That's like maybe the miss at this one. Yeah. <laughs> a well, minuscule amount. You, you touched on a point too, that I wanted to ask about as well. So this is a thing that I, I think I wouldn't, I'm not going to say, I think, cause this is a known, everybody knows the BYU brand. Everybody knows the BYU image that that's a nationwide thing. But one thing I think that people don't necessarily understand is the scale of the BYU fan base, because so much of the U.S. population is stacked up on the West Coast or really, really heavily in the East Coast and Midwest. Right. So BYU kind of in this no man's land out in Utah where, you know, I don't think there's a lot of visibility. So I am curious, like, what actually is the scale of the BYU fan base? And, you know, how often do you think that you would probably run in to BYU fans? Do you think it's more often than not, probably? Um, I mean, I've run into BYU fans, like it's weird. And it, my wife, my wife will make fun of this, that she swears like BYU fans, like we will wear BYU stuff when we are traveling yeah. <laughs> more than like any other fan base. But it's, I mean, it's like a thing that it's like, if you go to Disneyland or Disney world, people will like count how many things it's oh, like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I ran into 75 other BYU fans today. Or like, I mean, I've run into, I've run into, you know, like other like I've been walking around in London in Iceland in Germany like and people are like hey what's up like what yeah. so it is like it is kind of like sprinkled everywhere and that's really not so and similarly to like Notre Dame right being the Catholic school where there's a lot of people who may just because they are identify as Catholic in some capacity whether culturally or spiritually whatever they're kind of like cheer for BYU that there's a lot of people you know that maybe they didn't go to BYU but they kind of it's like their second school because it's like you know they are LDS and so they're like oh yeah it's kind of like I want them to do well and pay attention right. so it is it is definitely like a brand that is noticeable and also like being one of the most religious schools in the country is like also kind of like people pay attention to you like you kind of have like a little bit of a target kind of people pay attention and so there's but I mean there's definitely yeah, people definitely, it is something that is noticeable. And I've had people stop me and talk to me like in the airport, be like, hey, like, congratulations on going to the Big 12. Like, you guys finally deserve it. So even random people. So it's like, it is something that is kind of noticed, which I think has definitely been helped by, honestly, by being independent, which is the big reason we left the Mountain West was we were getting screwed over by their TV deal and Comcast was not I mean, Comcast was like in breach of the contract that we had with them in the league of like not letting us rebroadcast games and put games okay. on BYU TV. And so that was a, one of the driving reasons that we left. And so we got this deal with ESPN where it was like, we had that 830 kickoff, you know, that eight fit the late kick on ESPN locked down. It was like every single week. So it was like, if yeah. the, it was basically us in Pac-12 after dark. So I think even in the last decade, like we had a lot of eyeballs on us and, you know, draw big numbers, you know, even if it's, so just being there, it was definitely kind of being out on an island like that it definitely helps. And I think even more so being in the big 12 and kind of, we know we're going to get that late kick more often than not every home game and, you know, still going forward. But now that it's, we've amplified the opponents that we're getting in those late kicks, it really, I think will really, you know, continue to boost it because it's, you know, a lot more interesting to stay up for that than to watch us play Wyoming. You're probably on the East coast. <laughs> you're probably not going to stay up to watch BYU in Wyoming, but when Baylor rolls in, 
Like we crushed, oh, yeah. like we did numbers, like crazy numbers last year in week two when Baylor rolled in and it was a top 25 matchup. Yeah. And that's, that's actually kind of, you know, you, you mentioned the pac 12 and you mentioned that, uh, you know, dissolving Island that just slowly erodes away every single day. They don't figure out their media deals and uh, the pac 12 conference loves to just constantly push this sort of like bravado of we're better and we're, you know, just everything about us is nicer. I I'm curious what it's like to be as a BYU fan who's now going into a power conference that's locked into the future and watching a rival like Utah be stuck kind of in no man's land. And you're going to have a lot of question marks going forward. I'm sure that's got to feel good. It does. It really does. Because (laughs) like the PAC 12, like they stuck their noses up at us for years. And it was always even, I mean, going back that they did an extensive study. I'll have to go actually one of our early interviews that we did was, uh, you know, we had a former associate commissioner of the PAC 12 on for an interview. Um, and on one of our early episodes, and we were talking in you know, the Pac-12, like commissioned to study about expansion in the late 90s. And then they, you know, BYU was like, hey, they're going to, it was like us. And I don't remember who else they were looking at inviting, but like going to 12 way back in the 90s. And then it ended up dying because I don't remember which schools, one of the Bay Area schools was like, no, we do not like, will not have a religious school in the conference, which in, there was the same thing with the Pac-16 in Baylor, right? Like they were like, right. there were problems with that. And that's kind of why it ultimately fell apart but they and so it's like after being too good for us for holding you know turning their noses down looking down their noses at us then now it's but then also they were totally fine scheduling us whenever they could because we sold tickets and you know we would go to their games and when we the last time we played ucla in the rose bowl it was like 50 50 byu and ucla fans right you know they're happy to take our money and when we mm-hmm. show up but they just don't want to be like totally married to us. And so I think for a lot of your fans, it's like, especially the PAC 12 as a whole. And then, I mean, I, you probably until the last year haven't noticed or really interacted with many Utah fans or seen them around, (laughs) but it's like the people finally seeing what we've known for decades of like how the arrogance that they had, like where it's like, Oh, we're winning the PAC 12. Now it's the conference of champions. Like where now it's like, finally, everyone else is finally seeing it. That Mm -hmm. has just been, has been magnificent. Yeah, I'm sure too. I think it's really funny because if there's one thing that I've noticed, it's how much they love to be like, just left out and hated on and be the dogs and all these situations. And like they thrive With their anonymous on Twitter account. And it's always like, <laughs> it's like pac 12 Utes 27 is like their handle. And it's the weirdest thing. Like if you drive around and saw like, you'll see like people who have pac 12 stickers. I've seen people with pac 12 tattoos. I, our game in Nebraska in 2015, like there's some Utah fan who there, who is bragging to people about how we flew out just to cheer against BYU. It's like, it is bizarre. Like they is the weirdest, most strange fan base I've ever been around. There was someone took a picture and posted it on our discord a couple of weeks ago. That they saw a car whose license plate in Utah was Rose bowl. And it's just like the a weird <laughs> obsession. It's like, I am so ready for the conference to fall apart. Them hold on to it. End up in the mountain West 2.0. I want to have what happened to you. I want to happen to them, but then not to have like 
the you know the re- the <laughs> resurrection a decade later. They just need to stay <laughs> in whatever the Mountain West 2.0 is. Get screwed over and have no chance at redemption. Uh, yes. Definitely been there before. You're gonna have to send that picture. I gotta throw a clip together. You're gonna have to send that picture to me. Okay. Uh, and please remind everyone what happened in that game. The which game? The, the Rose Bowl game. Oh well, they've lost two of them. Right. Now. Yeah. And so, That's but a they, head scratcher. Well, and they <laughs> even like last week there was someone who tweeted out a picture. It was like the most. It was like from not this one year versus Penn State, but like when they played Ohio State last year. And there was like that quarter where there was like, I was nuts. And they had like, there was like four touchdowns in like three minutes. And they were like, oh, the most, it was like, this is like the most amazing 15 minutes of college football history. And it's like, you're who posts a highlight of a loss? Like nobody does that. <laughs> and then they're, and then they're like, oh man, this is like so amped. I'm so pumped up. And it's like, they post, someone posted like the intro from the Rose Bowl, like, you know, the, sh- the shot yeah. of like coming in and it's like, welcome to the granddaddy of them all. And they're like, oh, I get chills every time I think about this. And it's just like <laughs> insane. And even last year they were, I saw, I, could I can't find the I probably won't be able to find the tweet if I did it, but it someone who's like, well, I, instead of going to the playoff, like I would rather go to the Rose Bowl and win it because that just like means more like representing our conference. And it was like there were people who were like, I'd rather go back to back to the Rose Bowl than go to the CFP this year. It's just like it is a weird, weird obsession. And they live That's, in their own weird la la land. That and if is you really want to hate them, <laughs> if you really want to hate them, then you can there's a documentary on espn plus about lauren mccluskey and who was a track and field athlete that was murdered at utah and like how bad their campus police department handled it and they're like i i hate that school so much i'll have to send you there's <laughs> there's the clip of like the max hall curse where after we beat him in 2009 where he went on a rant it was like i hate them i hate their fans i hate their coaches i hate their players i hate everything about them <laughs> it was like that is me i relate to the max yeah. and i feel that Absolutely. You can't, you can't get through without a good rival. Uh, so for the last question, that's actually a good one to set us up. Uh, BYU is in a bit of an interesting place. Of course, you know, they've got a little bit of recency with Baylor. They're going to continue to play Baylor. Um, who would you say perhaps other than Baylor would be BYU's probably biggest rival or most, who are, who would they be most excited to play this year? Um, I think there's a lot of fans who are trying to force the TCU game um, just because we were in the Mountain West with them, even though it's like that was only five years and we were, you know, they have all the history with all the other Southwest Conference schools that are in the Big 12 now and have been in the Big 12 for twice as long as they were in the Mountain West. So I kind of think that it, I don't know, I I could, I feel like it's probably going to end up being like Iowa state or something, just because they're also <laughs> on an Island, right? Like it's right. kind of like, you guys have your thing with UCF or maybe West Virginia being back with the big East, you know, mm-hmm. Houston has their space thing with UCF, but also like Texas tech is kind of, is the other in-state school. That's not like that's outside of TCU Baylor. Right. And then Kansas has Kansas state. So there's kind of like us and maybe Oklahoma state that are kind of, you know, on an Island. So I think it's just got to take a few years but it could be anything, right? Like it could be Iowa State because they made a big stink about like when we joined. And then, or it could be like Houston, where both the Cougars is obviously Baylor and TCU, the other two religious schools. Texas Tech is way out west, you know, also kind of on an island like us. So it kind of just depends. Um, I think it's going to just take a few nasty games to kind of really see and shake out what that, you know, what that feels right. like, which is kind of similar for UCF and you guys, right? Like it that became yeah. a pseudo rival where like you guys are always back clashing on Twitter now, but it was, right. you weren't in a league until 
together until 2013. It was the right. first time that you played in the conference together. And so it was, you know, they just took a few crazy games and, you know, kind of rising to the top. And then now that's kind of like, oh yeah, it's probably going to carry over. Yeah. And, and I, you know, that's a, that's a good point too. I mean, it's going to be a lot of, again, uh, the driving point of so much of this for these four schools is the newness. Um, I actually do have one final question. We're going to get out of here. Okay. We've got okay, a we minute 90 seconds before left. zoom kicks us off. In one take, what's going to be the score between BYU and Cincy? Ooh, uh, 31-24 BYU. Okay. We'll see. We'll keep receipts. We'll come back. We'll check. I we'll see. Just cut, I think the, the travel and after having Oklahoma at home the week before, mm-hmm. I think there, there's a, an emotional toll that will be saved. And it's on a short week playing on Friday night. So it was, I think – you know, that will go. And I don't know, maybe 24 points is giving your offense too much credit with what you were saying <laughs> with, with all the, with all your question marks at quarterback. Who but. knows? Well, BYU fans cut the check. It's going to be 31, 24 BYU over Cincinnati. Uh, come September 29th. It's a Friday game. We're all excited for it. Garrett, thank you so much for joining us here on Viva La Cats. It was a pleasure to have you on. We'll have to talk more. Uh, yes, it's been fun talk talking more. to you. And again, another member of the beloved 10, 12 boys. So nice to talk to you, man. Great, great having you on. And uh, we look forward to talking with you more. Awesome. Thanks. And I guess go Go Cougars too. (laughs) Sports Social Podcast Network.